welcome to another episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. For this episode of Kodo Cinema, I'm going to talk about another Marvel movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this will be from Phase 5, which is, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, the reason why being because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the second film installment for Phase 5 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe following the following, following the box office bomb, which is Ant-Man 3 Quantumania. Ant-Man 3 was the first film in Phase 5 for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, which kicked off the phase very poorly. Although, as I mentioned in my Ant-Man 3 review, I didn't, I didn't hate the film. I thought the film didn't... I, I thought the film wasn't that good. However, with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 being the second film to come out of Phase 5 for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this this film I actually enjoyed a lot more than Ant- Ant-Man 3, and the reason being because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is said to be the final installment in the Guardians of the Galaxy film trilogy, which is basically... The sequel to the original Guardians of the Galaxy film that came out in 2014, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which came out in 2017. Plus, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the 32nd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film was written and directed by James Gunn, and it features an ensemble cast, which which includes Chris Pratt, Zoe Zaldana, Dave Bautista, Karen Gil- Karen Gillan, Palm Palm Clementif. Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Will Poulter, Sean Gunn, Chuck Woody, Iwuji, Linda Cardellini, Nathan Fillion, and Sylvester Stallone. Now, the plot for this film sees the plot for this film is basically the Guardians of the Galaxy embarking on a mission to protect Rocket Raccoon from the High Evolutionary. Now, that is basically the plot of the film. Now, with this film, I was excited and worried at the same time. Now the reason why I was excited because Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite superhero movie of all time, in my person, in my personal opinion. Now, now I I've seen I have seen both Guardians of the Galaxy films. They're both one, some of my favorite movies, some of my favorite movies of all time. The cast, I really love the cast. I really love the ensemble cast, the music choices that they play, the high stakes action sequences, the humor. The chemistry between the, between the characters. I mean, man, th- there is so much going on with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I really, I really love Chris Pratt as uh, as Peter Jason Quill, also known as Star Lord. Who? Star Lord, man, legendary outlaw. <laughs> Just imagine, like you, you watch them, you go back to the first film, and like nobody knows who Star Lord is. I mean, it's just like. I'm Peter Quill, but you may know me at by as Star Lord. Who? Star Lord, man, legendary outlaw. <laughs> it's just funny, man. But now going into the third film, the third film does take a different direction compared to the previous films, and most notably, as I mentioned, because the plot focuses on uh, Rocket Raccoon. Yes, the entire film really focuses more on. Rocket's backstory of how Rocket became uh, the raccoon that he is for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, before I break down the film 
Um, by the way, huge spoiler warnings for those of you who have not seen the film. Huge spoiler warnings. I want to give my background on uh, on the overall production of this film. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was originally going to come out in 2020, which is basically at the time when Phase 4 was uh was was hap was happening unfortunately not only unfortunately the pandemic did set things back but also the firing of james gunn that happened back in 20 back in 2018 prior to avengers infinity war coming out and this really stirred a lot of attention from from the entire guardians of the galaxy casting crew because uh disney fired james gunn in July of 2018, following the resurface of controversial posts on Twitter, and but, but somehow the studio reversed course by that October and reinstated him. And his return, James Gunn's return, was publicly revealed in March of 2019, with the production of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 resuming after Gunn completed work on his on the on the DC on the DC film The Suicide Squad, which came out in 2021. Of course, the first season of his spin-off show, Peacemaker, which starred John Cena as the title character, Peacemaker. Now, now that 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 really took that real that production itself was difficult to get off the ground because of the firing of James Gunn, plus James Gunn transitioning from Marvel to DC. Speaking of which, uh, James Gunn James Gunn is gonna is gonna helm a brand new universe for the DC Extended Universe. To which I, I briefly mentioned about James Gunn in some of my previous podcast episodes. Because of the fact, with The Flash coming out in, sometime in June of this year, uh, that film is said to, with uh, Ezra, Ezra Frickin' Miller, is said to uh, to reboot the entire DC universe with, 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 this, with the transitioning from Zack Snyder's universe to James Gunn's universe. Which begs the question, how is James Gunn going to uh, handle the DC Universe now? Especially after the success of uh, of the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. I mean, to be honest, to be honest with you, I mean, he, I think he'll do a fine job. But what, but for where DC is standing at with Ezra Miller right now, it, it is hard to tell. Other than that, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was the final film for James Gunn to, to direct for Marvel. And uh, and I will tell you this: the this film, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, really had a lot going on. Like there was a lot go, there was a lot going on in this film. The film's about the film is two and a half hours, so there, it's a lot going on because of the fact that this film solely focused on Rocket Raccoon, but also. But also giving a send off to the to all the main characters from the Guardians of the Galaxy, so it is so it is it, there is a lot going on. Now I know some people. Now a lot of people were very excited for this film, while some people weren't. Now the, because of the reason being because of how um Marvel how uh how Dizzy is treat basically how Dizzy is go how Dizzy is taking a different direction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe now compared to the previous phases. And and uh, and of course the with Ant Man three bombing at the box office, on top of the whole visual effects controversy that happened, it is hard. To, it is it is it is it is hard to 
not overlook this film. Plus, people tuning out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I know a lot of people are tuning out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of, of, where, of where Disney is going with Marvel. But with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I thought it was pretty good. I actually enjoyed this film. Now, do I think it's a, it's a perfect film? Not really, but I find it as a good send-off because it, it really... Because, because there were definitely character send-offs for, for our main characters. So... So so now uh, go so now uh, going into this film now going into this film I'm gonna go I'm gonna go into the breakdown of the film. Uh, well actually well actually before I break so just before I break down the film the way how this film sets up like like you have to watch like Guardian the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies the 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 third and fourth Avengers films and of course the first. 10 minutes of Thor Love and Thunder because the Guardians of the Galaxy make cameo appearances in that film. And then, of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And by the way, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special really sets up uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for some reason because James Gunn, James Gunn directed a holiday special for, uh, for, Guardian, for, for the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is actually surprising because it turned out to be pretty good. But also at the same time, it did lead up to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three a little bit, just slightly. So now let me break down this entire. Let me break down this film. And by the way, spoiler alert for those who have not seen the film. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three opens up with a flashback. Yes, yes, we get a flashback, and it turns out we have it's a flashback of Rocket Raccoon as a as a cub. So Rocket Raccoon's a cub who is hanging out with a bunch of his uh with with his other cubs, the rac raccoon cubs I should say, but and of course a mysterious scientist pull, pulling Rocket out of the take taking Rocket out of the cage. All we see is the hand in slow motion. We don't know who it is, but we we do realize who who it will be later on later on in the film. We get a nice close up shot of. Rocket with this cute little raccoon face, but then later on, later on as time passes, we see Rocket Raccoon being being voiced by uh, Bradley Cooper in his well, how do I say this? His adult form, I should say. Like Rocket Raccoon is just wandering around the headquarters on no on nowhere. The 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 planet nowhere, which is basically the, uh, or well, the, well, I, I don't, know. I, I guess you could say it's planet, but it's still like it's on the skeleton skull of of a of an ancient celestial, which we first saw in the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. So the so basically the guard the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, except for Gamora, because Gamora is not with the Guardians of the Galaxy at this time, because Gamora. Gamora, we get we get another Gamora because the the Gamora that we got, the, the Gamora that we got in this film is the one who doesn't know Peter Quill as much because the other Gamora, the original Gamora, was killed off in Avengers: Infinity War by Thanos. Just to let you all know, Rocket is just basically ha hanging out, wandering around nowhere with the with Peter Quill's uh, iPod. I believe it's an iPod. Or 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 Zoom or Zoom. It was it was a Zoom which actually features a lot of uh, a lot of throwback songs from the 
1950, 1950s, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s onwards into the 2000s. Like Rock is just listening to it. He walks into this bar where uh, Peter Jason Quill, Star Lord, played it, played once again by uh, Chris Pratt. He's at the bar being wasted because of Gamora, because you know he lost Gamora, he, because he loved Gamora. He loved Gamora ever ever since he first met her, and uh, and of course the fact that Thanos killed her off, which really, really puts it. Which really puts in a lot of pressure on Peter Jason Quill because Peter really had feelings for Gamora, but of course uh, he he noticed that Rocket is listening to his music to his music on the Zoom iPod and and it's just like hey what are you doing hey I told you not to touch it I told you not to touch it because the fact is he. Star-Lord was, is wasted. He's literally wasted, and of course he passes out. And then we see some of the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holding Peter, a wasted Star-Lord as they're walking by. They're walking in front of the screen, and then the, the, the background of the, of the, of the, and the title card background of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 pops up. And it, it's actually a pretty cool, it's actually a pretty cool moment, because it, it because of the background because of the title background it, it shows that it, it, it because of the background is showing all the characters walking walking in front of the screen that's actually a pretty cool moment with the title of the background because it's just like a cool moment letting the audience know that hey this is the guardians of the galaxy for the third time third and final time so yeah uh, now, now you're probably wondering who was carrying uh, Star Lord. Well, it turns out it was Nebula. Nebula is carrying Star Lord, played once again by Kara Gillan, and she, she carries uh, Peter P Peter to um, basically to uh, his bed because uh, Peter is wasted, knocked out, knocked out, wasted, just to just to re just to rest. Until then, uh, a um, until then a sovereign. The so a sovereign warrior came came in and attacked nowhere, and of course, for, for the, and of course, this sovereign warrior turns out to be Adam Warlock. Now, for those of you who may or may not know, Adam Warlock played a, a key role in the Avengers Infinity Gauntlet storyline, and it's a shame we never got to see uh, Adam Warlock in Avengers Infinity War nor Avengers Endgame. It's a real shame because. Because uh, Adam Warlock played a role in that in in the, in that storyline, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, where he actually took control of the got took control of the gauntlet at one point. But unfortunately, but unfortunately, uh, we never got to see Adam Warlock in Infinity War nor Endgame. N not until this film came out, and he was teased in Volume Two, for he was teased at the end of Volume Two, where uh, where the High Priestess I I Aisha. Aisha is the high priestess of the so of the sovereign, and she is played once again. She's played once again by uh, by Elizabeth Debicki, and and she was the one who 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 had Adam Warlock created to destroy the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now Adam Warlock is played by Will Poulter, and I will say this: Adam Warlock gives the the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy a huge beating. Most notably on Nebula, Groot, 
and and Nebula, Groot, Drax, and Rocket. Like I, in my opinion, Rocket got the I, as as much as I want to say Groot got the most beating, but it was literally Rocket because he overpowers everybody and wounds Rocket, and and of course uh, Nebula stabs at Warlock. At the, it's just so Adam Warlock can 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 escape. I will say this: the fight scene with the the entire Adam Warlock fight sequence is pretty pretty intense because he because he gave them a huge beating, like like the Guardians has never faced a a well I will say a threat. I mean he started off as a threat at first, but later on in the movie he does become become a good guy. He does become a good guy, and. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Now, at the same time, for those of you who are probably wa watching, you're probably asking. You're probably you're probably going to be asking, why now with Adam Warlock? Why are we getting Adam Warlock now, rather than getting Adam Warlock in the in Avengers: uh, Infinity War or Endgame? I mean, I think it's just the fact that Volume Two, like he was supposed to appear in Volume Two, but they had so, but they already had so many characters. I guess they didn't have any room to put Adam Warlock in it, which is why they teased him at the end, at the end of Volume Two. But of course, but of course, with the, with the direction that Disney is going with Marvel, it really is, it really is a shame that we never got to see Adam Warlock in in the last two Avengers films. I will say it is nice to see Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, but I feel like it's it's too little, too late to say to say the least to introduce Adam Warlock. Well, I like I like Will Poulter as Adam Warlock, but at the same time, he does come out as a bit of, a bit of a useless character at times. Just just to just to like you know, I guess it's just to say maybe fan service, which is actually pretty good fan service, but at the same time, knowing like Adam Warlock's huge role of the comics, like Yeah, I guess you could say is a little too little too late. But other than that, the Guardians of the Galaxy are are unable to tend Rocket's wounds due to a kill switch, which was actually made by the company Orgo Corp, which embedded it, embedded the kill switch in him. So the Guardians decided to travel to Orgo Corp's headquarters to find the override code, just so they could put in a code to over to override the kill switch and help cure Rocket. And as Rocket lies unconscious, he recalls his past as a baby raccoon, where he was experimented by the High Evolutionary. Now, the High Evolutionary, he's a scientist who sought to enhance animal life forms to create, to create a new Earth, Counter-Earth, which actually has anthropomorphic animals. So, which is actually a pretty, actually a pretty cool concept if you think about it. Because anthropomorphic animals, you know, like hum they're basically humans, but as anthropomorphic animals, which is actually a pretty cool concept to be honest. But what? But the high evolutionary, the high evolutionary is is obviously the villain in this film, and he really, and I will say this, he 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 really brings in a lot of energy. He brings in a hu huge impact to this film. The high evolutionary is played by is played by Chuck Woody Iwuji. Who played another? Who played a? Uh, who played? Who who recently appeared at James Gunn's Peacemaker, uh, spent Peacemaker show for DC, and now he's playing the High Evolutionary, which is actually pretty cool. Now, 
now now uh, Rocket and the High Evolutionary. I will say this: their chemistry started off pretty good. Like like the High Evolutionary started off as a nice uh, as a nice father figure to to Rocket. But what we learn later on that the High Evolutionary is not what he seemed to be. He he Rocket befriended the High Evolutionary along with other test subjects, which includes an otter named Lila, a wal a walrus named Teefs, and a ra and a rabbit named Floor. Yes, yes, I know, and yes, I'm and yes, those are the names. We got an otter named Lila, a wal a wal walrus named Teefs, and a rabbit named Floor. And I will say this: with all the flashback scenes with Rocket and and all of his other uh, animal friends. I say those were some very those were good moments. I like the flashback moments with Rocket and all of his animal buddies. Like it's like they're like a one big happy family. Like and their wish, their wish and like and their wish most notably from Rocket, he wants to go he wants to travel the galaxy to be free and bring his animal buddies along, including Ly including Lila to which uh for those of you who may or may not know, Lila Who's being voiced by Linda Cardellini, who originally played uh, Clint Barton's wife or Hawkeye, Hawkeye's wife in in the previous Avengers films? Uh, Lila, 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 and Rocket are actually a couple. They're basically they're actually a couple in the comics. So I like how they incorporated Lila to build in a nice little uh, love relationship. And to be honest, it was cut short for this film. So the High Evolutionary was impressed by Rocket's intelligence, but somehow furious that it, it that Rocket was able to exceed, was able to succeed. So basically, Rocket was a lot smarter than the High than the High Evolutionary. So basically, the High Evolutionary perfected his ex, perfected his experiments with Rocket's advice, but ordered Rocket's brain to be extracted and his friends incinerated. So this actually, this actually brought the attention to Rocket, to which, to which Rocket steals a lot of the High Evolutionary's uh, tech to create a key just so he can free all of his animal buddies. But it turns out it went south so fast. Once Rocket freed Lila, the High Evolutionary kills her. Like he kills her from behind with uh, with his own blaster. The High Evolutionary shoots. And kills Lila in front of Rocket. Like Rocket didn't see the High Evolutionary, but once he he saw once Rocket saw the the gunshot wound in Lila, he screams. Rocket screams in pain because because of the fact that Lila was literally one of his close one of his close one of his his best friend. Like the High Evolutionary killed his killed Rocket's best friend and possible love interest. Well, obviously love interest in the comic, but possible love interest because he he spent his entire life. Rocket spent his entire life in that cage with these with with his friends. Like he grew a huge connection with them, built relationships, and and that and that that was taken away by the High Evolutionary, all because. All because Rocket wants to escape because the High Evolutionary wants to like test out Rocket. Like Rocket's scream really pull, pull, puts a gut, literally, it's a literal gut punch. Like, do you realize how, 
how uncomfortable that is. That is so. That is literally the one of the most. That's actually the saddest scene in this film, in my opinion. See Rocket Raccoon seeing his love interest getting killed off by the High Evolutionary is probably the saddest scene in this movie, in my opinion. It's just so sad that even Rocket's scream has a competition with the High Evolutionary High Evolutionary scream, to which he. To which he admitted that Rocket wins the contest, but Rocket is, but, but then, but then Rocket is so mad, he balls the High Evolutionary's face off. Like, no, literally, the next, the next moment, Rocket attacks his old creator, because, because the High Evolutionary killed his love interest, his possible love interest, a friend that he that he met inside the cage for many many years while growing up and and he mauls this creator he mauls the creator to the point to the point where he could have died and that's just like that's just rocket letting out his anger now i'm gonna go go back to guardians of the galaxy volume 2 for a minute because towards the end of, that, of volume 2 Yondu was arguing with Rocket Raccoon the fact that that he told Rocket that he told he said to he told Rocket that he, that he knows him like he says I I heard everything about I know everything about you I know you didn't steal this steal these I know you like to steal these batteries for something so for some kind of bull stuff but I know sign I know scientists who created you didn't get didn't get a rat's behind about you like like. You go back to that scene. Like, you go back to that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 where Yadu and Rocket are talking, are, are arguing on, on the ship about uh, about Rocket's past. Like, that gives you a hint about Rocket's past. And it, and, it, and, it, and it comes together. Like, you realize that it makes sense because Rocket, Rocket was, was created by this scientist and this scientist doesn't give, give, doesn't care about Rocket. So it turns out so it turns out this guy, the high evolutionary, he didn't care about Rocket at all. He didn't care about him being free, about being free. All he wanted to do was just have Rocket be the experiment that he is, Sub subject ape, ate some, like to be this experiment. Like yeah, this experiment, like Rocket is like the exper is basically, is basically the lab pet to the high evolutionary, and. And boy, like, like his is now the experiment number that Rocket Rocket's experiment number is Subject Eight Nine P One Three, which was mentioned in the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. Now, also, if you look, go back to the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, you go to the you go to the lineup scene where the Guardians of the Galaxy were arrested. There is a small hidden detail that Rock that Rocket was act that Rocket was affiliated with Lila, which is basically. Uh, uh, Rocket's Lila the Otter is basically Rocket's girlfriend, and I mentioned that Lila and Rocket were a couple of the comics. Now, and I liked how the first film addresses the uh, the detail that Ly that Rocket was affiliated with Ly with Lila. So I guess in my opinion, like the High Evolutionary and his uh, and his uh, guards really put that in Rocket's records, knowing the fact that. That Rocket and Lila were were once a couple before the High Evolutionary killed killed Lila off. 
from my point of view. So I like those hidden details that the the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies did because it really sets up Rocket's backstory. And this entire film really was the sole was the sole focus on Rocket Raccoon ever since the the beginning of the film where Adam Warlock Adam Warlock critically wounds Rocket. Like that's the main. It, it sets up the plot. It really set it up the plot where, where the Guardians have to save Rocket Raccoon. Now, going back to go Volume 3, Rocket Raccoon balls the High Evolutionary and, of course, shoots his guards as well. And, of course, the guards killed Teeps and Floor in the, in, the, in the process. Rocket, who is all alone, steals a spaceship and, and, fl and flies away. And that's it. That is basically it. Like that that is Rocket's backstory. Now, going back in the present, we get to see an alternate version of Gamora. So basically this is the Gamora from Avengers Endgame who doesn't know Peter Jason Quill or Star Lord. Now Gamora has joined the Ravagers and and uh, the Ravagers, this side the Ravagers has uh, Sylvester Stallone as as Dakar. Which which uh, which which he appeared in the second Guardians of the Galaxy film. They they help the Guardians infiltrate or Orgo Corp just so they can retrieve Rocket's file. But somehow, but somehow, somehow the Guardians discover that the code has been removed. The group speculates the Thiel, one of the High Evolutionary's advisors, has it, so they depart for Counter Earth. I also find it kind of crazy during the whole Orgo Corp sequence where. All the members of the Guardians were all wearing spacesuits that with spacesuits with different colors. It almost it's almost like you're watching um, it's like Among Us, you know, you, the 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 phone app game Among Us. It, it it almost reminds me of that. And of course, I like the moments where um, where Peter and Gamora were having a conversation, but it turns out their conversation can be heard from everybody. So basically, everyone's listening to this conversation, and uh, and Pete and uh, Gar and Peter was having a hard time trying to figure out if if trying to figure out which button is which to to literally block off everyone's conversation. But unfortunately, but unfortunately, Mantis, Mantis, uh, <laughs> Mantis gets a huge laugh. By the fact that she presses a button and screams "Hello!" <laughs> and Star Lord gets irritated by that, and it's so funny. It's just, it's, it's so funny. But also, once they go inside the Oracle Corp, or Oracle Corp uh, facility, Mantis loses the spacesuits. She loses the spacesuits after breaking in the Oracle Corp. And of course, we get a Nathan Fillion cameo, who's one of the lead, one of the lead Oracle Corp leaders. And then Star Lord, Star Lord tries to go, tries to uh, do a, was trying to flirt with this woman just so he can like find the Rocket's file in a Patrick Swayze moment, which uh, <laughs> to which uh, irritates uh, Gamora and Nebula a little bit because. Uh, Gamora's pretty psychotic to say the least, because don't forget, Gamora was raised by Thanos. Gamora was raised by Thanos to be the uh, the warrior that she is, and of course Nebula, and of course Nebula 
And of course, uh, Nebula is just basically there. <laughs> Nebula is just there. Like, she does grow a bit, but she does get angry and angry. She does get angry, like, somewhere in the third act, which gets me to, like, laugh and also, like, you know, you know, just, you know. Of course, of course, and then, of course, a fight, a fight breaks out where, uh, Drax, where Drax and Mantis, uh, take take out a lot of the Oracle Corps guards and it's pretty and it's pretty funny too and it's pretty funny too but uh but it does go but it does go a little bit south but it does go a little bit south after uh one of the guards wooed uh, Drax the destroyer a little bit Drax being played by Dave Bautista what once again now now, now, of course, uh, now, of course, now, of course, uh, now, now, of course, uh, of course, the members of the Guardians are being followed by Aisha, Aisha, who sends out Adam, who are ordered by their creator, the High Evolutionary, to, to retrieve Rocket for his brain, because the High Evolutionary sets out Aisha and Adam to retrieve Rocket. Because he knows that Rocket is with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and and of course we get we also heard that the High Evolutionary created the Sovereign at this point. Now, now they now the Guardians of the Galaxy arrived at uh, uh, Counter Earth. Now upon arriving, the team is helped by residents in tracing Field to the High Evolutionary ship. Drax and Mantis remain with Gamora and Rocket as Peter Quill. Groot and Nebula travel to the High Evolutionary ship. Now they go. They travel there by a car, and and the car that one that one of the anthropomorphic animals have is has is a real car, and this actually leads into the film's first f bomb, first and only f bomb for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now yes, um, now yes, Marvel has dropped f bombs before, but for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where where an F bomb is actually dropped. It is not censored. It is not cut away. It is actually dropped. They actually dropped their first F bomb, and it's the moment where Peter Peter's trying to tell Nebula to open the door, and he drops the F bomb right as uh, Nebula is struggling to open the door. And it comes out of nowhere, but you have to see this. But you have to see this film to believe it, because because they are there were a couple, there were a few articles that came out that came out prior to the film's release stated that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three dropped dropped his first f bomb. Not it's not censored. It is not it it is not blocked over. It is literally dropped. Like and that f bomb was actually improvised. Chris Pratt actually improvised that line. It wasn't scripted, and it was kept in the film's final cut. So yes, you do hear your first F-bomb. I went to see this movie with my uh, twin brother, Mike, and we were and there were uh, there were a lot of people there and I was sitting um a few ro a few seats from this from this one family who brought their kid along and I can't imagine. I can't imagine how how the the kids that one kid's reaction when he when he first heard uh 
Star-Lord dropped an F-bomb. I just can't imagine. Like, it's a PG-13, it's still PG-13, though, but you gotta, you gotta ask yourself. <laughs> you gotta ask yourself. It is not, and, and it's true, because not only were there a lot of people in my theater that I went to, but one of one of the fam, but a family member brought to, brought a little kid along to watch this movie. Yeah, you think this is a kids' film? Not not at all. I mean, come on. When when has the Marvel Cinematic when has the Marvel Cinematic Universe ever become a kid become a kids' movie franchise? I mean, that's just wrong. I mean, come on, that's just wrong. I mean, there there's been a there's 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 definitely adult moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Phase One did it. Don't forget, Phase One did it too. Well, well, adult moments, but not the first, but not the F bombs. Now, okay, so, uh, okay, so basically, uh, Star Lord and Nebula, Star Lord and Nebula, uh, they they are they are they go to the high evolutionary ship. Nebula is forced to wait outside by the guards as Quill and Groot board the ship. And by the way, Groot being voiced by once again by Vin Diesel, Groot was uh was decapitated by. Adam Warlock at the start of the film, by the way, and I I do like how his body grows back. So, so Star Lord and group board the ship while Jackson Mantis pursue Quill's group on a motorcycle. So basically, Jackson Mantis steal a motorcycle. The High Evolutionary initiates his destruction and planned recreation of Counter Earth, which kills all life on the planet, including Aisha. Aisha gets killed off in this film. But Adam Warlock is still alive. And as as his ship enters orbit, Quill and Groot leap off and kill Theo, retrieving the code retrieving the code from him. So Theo Theo has the code for, for Rocket. And then Gamora arrives with the ship to to rescue the Guardians of the Galaxy, while Nebula, Mantis, and Drax are aboard the high evolutionary ship to rescue the now absent Groot and Peter Jason Quill. As Quill's group attempts to access the code, Rocket flatlines and has a near-death experience where he re where he reunites with Lila, Teeps, and Floor. Now that moment alone, where Rocket flatlines and having a near-death experience, that is another moment in that film where we almost lost Rocket. Like we lost, we almost lost, we almost lose Rocket in this film. Like yes, he has a near death experience, but he later comes back to life, and because and and it's really heartbreaking too because we see the clo a close up reaction of of Star Lord screaming like like he doesn't want to lose his best friend. He doesn't want to lose his best friend Rocket because he and Rocket grew a huge connection. He he and Rocket grew a huge friendship throughout the entire Guardians of the Galaxy films, and of course the. The, the the two Avengers films and of course uh, Thor Love and Thunder as well, but also knowing the fact that he doesn't want to lose his best friend. Thankfully, Lila tells him that his time has not yet come. As Quill uses the code to, to disable the kill switch and save Rocket's life, and um, and then of course, uh, and then yeah, and now and now with Rocket coming back to life, it is an exciting. It is a it is a huge, exciting moment to know that Rocket is alive. Like I'm glad Rocket's alive. I mean, you gotta admit, you got you gotta admit, Rocket Raccoon. Like he started off, like Rocket Raccoon started off 
as a as a wise cracking criminal criminal at one point, but as of now, he has become he has grown to become one of the one of the best supporting members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And out of all the supporting guardians, out of out of all the guardians of the gap, out, out of all the supporting members of the guardians of the galaxy, Rocket Raccoon's probably the best supporting member of the guardians of the galaxy, in my personal opinion. Now, 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 of course, going back to Nebula, Mantis, and Drax, they're they're all stuck on the on the ship, the high evolutionary ship, where they come across hundreds, hundreds, possibly thousands of imprisoned humanoid children before be before being captured and of course uh all the children were basically uh all the children sees the sees the three and nebula's like freaking and nebula's like freaking out she's angry at the kids she doesn't know what these kids are talking about and nebula screams at them to the point where they all started crying like nebula is an adult who who scream who literally screams at the kids because she wants to get out of this ship. She wants to get out of this ship, and then the kids were starting to cry as if like as if a big as a big as if a big meanie is just basically yelling at the yelling just ba a big meanie because they're all, all the kids are crying because Nebula is back to like, acting like a big big meanie, <laughs> but of course Drax steps in. Just to cheer the kids up, because don't forget, Drax had a family. Drax had a wife and and a child, like like Drax had a wife and, and a child of 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 his own. And he tells the story. He tells the and he tells this. It tells this nice story of how like he uh of how he sees his his child. Like he cares for his child. He cares for his child. And it was his daughter. He cared for his daughter because his daughter was killed off by Thanos and Ronan the Accuser, by the way. But but they were able to but they were able to help. The kids were able to help free the guardians the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And of course, all the members come on to the evolu the uh, evolu high evolutionary ship and they were able and the Guardians of the Galaxy, they were able to take out they were able to take out all, all all the guards, all the high evolutionary guards in this amazing in this amazing action sequence where the camera is 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 having this one long take. You get an awesome one long action sequence takes take where all the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, members of the Guardians, are taking out the high evolutionary guards. And it's an action and it is a high stakes action scene that is that is probably the best scene the best action scene in this movie like that is obviously the best action scene where, where the members of the guardians are taking out all the guards in, in the high evolutionary ship and is obviously one of the best the best scene in the best action scene in this movie in my opinion because rocket rocket is done running and he wants to 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 face off his creator and save everybody, and he does, along with Mantis, uh, Nebula, and Drax riding a basilisk, a basilisk, like these tentacle, these octopus-like monsters from the one to which one of them appeared in the second film. 
they Mantis was able to befriend them, allowing the group to escape and, re and reunite with Quill's, Quill's group. And of course, they take out the High Evolutionary's army with Kraglin and Cosmo arriving on nowhere, and of course, and of course, creating creating an, creating an open field for all the kids to come aboard the ship. And of course, the animals as well, because the High Evolutionary also uh, traps animals as well. And then we get to the moment where the High Evolutionary takes out Rocket. Like he has he has the upper hand on Rocket, and he's just like. You thought you could escape me? I have created you! I have created you! I have! I have that power to destroy you! But then, Rocket overpowers the High Evolutionary and actually says this line. My name is Rocket. Rocket Raccoon. And of course, all the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, all the members of the Guardians, take out the High Evolutionary with Gamora. Putting, th stabbing, stabbing him and peeling off his face. So yes, so yes, uh, Gamora peels off the High Evolutionary's face. Now, I didn't catch this as, at first because I thought Rocket Raccoon just scratched his face. But no, it turns out Rocket literally peeled off his face. Because Rocket mauled the High Evolutionary in, in, in the flashback scene where the High Evolutionary killed Lila. And it's a gruesome moment where it, which almost leads into an R-rated territory. Like when you watch this film, it almost like you're like you're you're an R-rated territory. It's like you're an R-rated territory despite the film being PG-13. Like once the high evolutionary space was peeled off, you see you see partially a skeleton a, the skeleton face of the high evolutionary. Partial and I say partially because you do see the skeleton nose, and of course all the blood, all the bl the blood as well. It is really gruesome. It's like it's like you're you're in R-rated territory. Now I don't know if the High Evolutionary is dead. I'm assuming he is dead. I'm assuming he's dead. I mean, it doesn't really explain because at the end, uh, the High Evolutionary is just on the ground with his face peeled. So. I'm guessing he's still alive, but it does it, it it has not been explained. So anyway, Rocket so basically Rocket Raccoon and the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy, along with the other animals, they leave the high evolutionary ship and uh, they were able to get onto nowhere. Quill almost dies trying to cross over, but he's being saved by Adam Warlock, who had a change of heart after being saved by Groot. Yeah. Yeah, Adam Warlock comes to the rescue. Because the thing is, like I said, it's too little too late to put in Adam Warlock. I feel like, in my opinion, despite a strong open for Adam Warlock, he he's pretty useless in this film, to say the least. I mean, look, I know there's a bolo of Adam Warlock fans out there, and and I give respect to the actor. The actor did a fantastic job with what he was given for Adam War Warlock, but I feel like Adam Warlock's appearance feels too little too late in my opinion like they should have introduced him in either infinity war and endgame and then of course you know go from there yeah but anyway in the aftermath of the fight uh peter jason quill aka star lord leaves the guardians of the galaxy bestowing the cap, cap 
bestowing the, the rake of Captain to Rocket. And before leaving for Earth to reunite with his grand, grandpa, Jason, Mantis embarks on a journey of self-discovery. And of course, Gamora reunites with the Ravagers, and Nebula and Drax remain, remain on nowhere to raise the rescued children. And it is a heartfelt moment, because... This is the last time, well, for now, I believe for now, this is the last time for now you see the all the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, like you see, you see them again on screen for the last time. It is the last time you see all the, all the members of the Guardians. And it's very heartfelt because you get to see them for the first time in the first film. We later get to see them and we later get to see, and we get to see them grow as as a family and it really really is heartfelt to see it is a heartfelt moment to that the guardian that the members of the guardians are are saying their final goodbyes as they depart on different journeys and it it really is a heartfelt moment even um even uh Craglin himself like He's, he 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 is still there, but it's just sad, man. Is Craglin still there? I mean, we don't get to see Craglin as much in this film, but I will say this: the 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 cherry on top is seeing Yondu again. Like we got to see Yondu in a cameo where he tells Craglin to use the use your heart, boy. Just remember to use your heart because the. Uh, Kraglin in the final battle, Kraglin was able to use Yondu's uh, arrow, and he does it by using the heart while whistling. <whistles> so yeah, so yeah, that was a heartfelt moment, and then, and then of course uh, we get uh, post credit, and then of course, uh, then of course we get a mid credit scene where. Um, the new Guardians, which actually has Rocket, Groot, Cos Cosmo the, the Space Dog, Kraglin, Adam Warlock, and and one of the rescued children, and of course Adam's pet Blurp, the Blurp, Blurp, which was actually a pet that one of the Ravagers had, and now that Blurp is a is a pet is a new pet to Adam Warlock because of the fact that one of the Ravagers had had a had the the pet Blurp, but that Ravager was killed off, by the way. So, so we got new members of the Guardians, and they go on a new mission. And in a post-credit scene later, uh, Star Lord eats breakfast with his grandpa. And of course, not to mention, we get to see a heartfelt moment where Peter Quill sees his grandpa for the very first time as a child, where he was abducted by Yondu, now sees his grandpa once again, and it is a it is a moment that will definitely leave you in tears. Like, it's really something. It's real. It and it really is. Now, now of course, the end credit scene. It did say, uh, "Star Lord will return." But when will we see Star Lord again? In a new Guardians film, or 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 a future Avengers film? We don't know. But as of now, as of, but as of now, but as of now, this is it. The characters get their final goodbyes and their final send-offs. So overall, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was a good send-off. Now, now, I know the film does have its fair share of flaws. Most notably, like, 
putting in Adam Warlock too little too late. But other than that, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is a very good film. A lot better than Ant-Man 3, in my opinion, and a good film for Phase 5. Like, like I know, like, it, it is a good film for Phase 5. Now, outside of, like, now, overall, people are saying that this film, that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is, like, one of the best Marvel films since Avengers Endgame. And, I guess you could say it is, like, the story-wise, story-wise is a bit all over the place. I mean, the pacing is a little bit slow, but at the same time, for a, for a film that is basically the final installments for the Guardians, it, it really delivered. At Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 really delivered on what we expected for a third Guardians of the Galaxy film. James Gunn has done a fantastic job with the, with this film. While it is hard to say what his time at DC will will be like, but only time will tell. Only time will tell. But other than that, but other than that, the story overall, like I said, despite some pacey, pacey issues, the film was was overall good. I like the soundtrack for the, the soundtracks that the, the music they have for this film is good too. I like the different uh, throwback songs they included as well. And then, and then of course Rocket's backstory. Uh, Rocket's backstory was the was literally the was literally was literally the pinpoint the the was literally the the sole purpose of this film. Rocket Raccoon was the was the main character of this film. Yes, even though J Peter Jason Quill is the main character, but it's literally Rocket. Rocket's the main character. Like throughout this entire film. The entire film is to basically save Rocket, and Rocket Raccoon is is obviously the main focus of this film, from his backstories to the present, to how he how he evolved to becoming a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like Rocket Raccoon has done, has been through a lot, and Bradley Cooper has done a fantastic job providing the voice of Rocket Raccoon, and. And of course, the High Evolutionary. The High Evolutionary was a huge, was definitely a threat to behold. Like he, he he's not he's not at the level of Thanos, but I heard a lot of people saying that he's like King the Conqueror, but better, despite uh, you know, despite of what, despite uh, King's uh, appearance. Although the High Evolutionary, dang man, the High Evolutionary, he is melodramatic, but he is a pretty good villain too. Like, I don't know much about the High Evolutionary, but dang, he was a good villain. The High Evolutionary was a pretty good villain in this in this movie, in my opinion. Now, now, of course, now, of course, now, of course, with, with the, well, now, of course, obviously the film was overall good. Will it do well at the box office? Well, it is hard to say right now because some people are saying it might bother at the box office, but only time will tell, only time will tell. But other than that, overall, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was an overall good send-off for the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, there you have it. That's my take on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, now I know, now, now what do you all think about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Like, did you like the film? Did you thought the film was okay? Did you think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was a good send-off? to the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear your thoughts. So, anyway, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Remember to watch movies and stay positive.